Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Value Line Observer, brought to you by the Value Guys. I'm Vern Value. And I'm Val Hughes. Right on cue, too, <laughs> I might add. We're uh, uh, 20-year Wall Street veterans that have taken on secret identities. 25 years for me. Adopted disguises. Okay, you're older. D- adopted disguises and changed our voices so that we can bring you our unfiltered views on stocks every week that otherwise we wouldn't be able to. Um, Why is that, Vern? We wouldn't be able to? What? Well... Because it, we might run oh, into employment fired issues. Kind of thing? Yeah, True. right. Okay. Um, so every week, and we've been doing this for years, we get together to talk stocks on Friday afternoons after work, and um, you're in on it now. Um, we snack. What we're doing a to give some structure to the show is we look at uh, Value Line every week for a source of new ideas. This week we're looking at the issue dated December twenty eighth. 2007, so it's the last issue from 2007. I think this might be our 100th show of the value guys. And I have no musical instruments to play right now. I'll dub something in. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? Oh, I like that. Uh, We want to remind everyone that this uh, this, uh, podcast is for entertainment purposes only, and we may own all the stocks we talk about or have other uh, nefarious conflicts that you would know nothing about. Uh, and Our friends may run these companies, and we're you, just trying to do listen, them a favor over the holidays. <laughs> if you listen regularly, you'll also know that we often know nothing about what we're talking about. Um, but that's uh, my goal every week. Uh, but you know, you get the you get the you, you get some value. We hope ah, from whatever. Uh, our street yeah, perspective. Right. If you want to learn more about us, go to our website www.thevalueguys.com. The second half of the show, I'm going to come back and talk about some exciting value ideas in auto parts. Oh drum boy, roll, please. Um, actually, I've got a telecom equipment company that looks uh, frightfully cheap as well that I'm really? going to talk about. But first, I'm going to turn it over to frightfully my... Frightfully cheap. I'm sorry. Frightfully. I'm going to Go turn ahead. it over to my, um, well, my partner, Val Hughes. <laughs> a little time constraint this week, Vern, for coming up with some kind of intro there. I, it was spur of the moment. Right. And I, well, I don't I even failed. do one. Okay. Uh, hello, everyone. Welcome to our, uh, what Great. I call the post-Christmas but pre-New Year's show. Uh, and last year we weren't on at this time; we were off, and so with. But because uh, of our dedication. Well, dedication, and a lot of right people wanted us on, so we're here and uh, we're doing the show. Uh, it was a nasty market today. We're doing it early this week. It's Thursday, and uh, value guys got a little beat up today, down two percent uh, on the value uh, Russell Value two thousand. Very difficult uh, here at year end. So we're hoping for. A little better finish tomorrow, but that just makes a couple things more attractive. And uh, this week, there's uh, a few things I've probably talked about before. Big but political I, assassination. Well, today. that, yeah, yeah, that took the market down. In a very volatile part of the world. wasn't good. India, the Indian, uh, Indian market was down 20% today. Ow. Yeah. Obviously, it's uh, unrest, uncertainty, etc. What about the Pakistani market? Uh, you know, I didn't see that. I'm sure it wasn't any better, but, um, you know, that can be opportunity. And I think the stock prices that we're going to talk about today on the show, I didn't even look for the closes, are probably a little bit lower than what, we're, what we got here. Um, let's see. Since it's the holidays, um, you know, why not start off with uh, the ho- a holiday stock, AT&T. <laughs> Nothing says the holidays like a share of AT&T. I'm, I'm not. Yeah. I, that wasn't a good segue. It, I don't know. know. Whatever. Page 718, AT&T. Now, what I love about AT&T is uh, I used to cover it 
uh, for a living, for one thing. But that was many years ago, years ago, 25 years ago. And the story of AT&T, if you want to get in on it, is that here's the story. It's a biblical story. Mom gives up the child for a few bucks, okay? And then, uh, and then the child later sees mom in a lot of trouble and saves the mom. So AT&T got broken up in the 80s, and all the little regions got their little companies. Uh, and, you know, 9X in New York, for example, now uh, Verizon. They all got better names, except um, SBC, which was uh, Southern Bell, um, kept their kind of name as it was, SBC. They grew big. They had a lot of successful acquisitions. They kept their costs low. They were one of the centers of uh, AT&T technology innovations back when it was a big bell system, as was Illinois Bell. Um, and so they just kind of kept to their knitting. They didn't get too far afield. And over time, they uh, became, of course, one of the biggest bell regionals. AT&T got in trouble in a very competitive uh, long-distance industry. Um, there's a whole show we could do on AT&T of them basically breaking up so they could be a computer company, buying NCR to do that, and then going, oh, I guess we're no good at this. <laughs> and then got back into the telephone business. Meantime, they had a lot of competitors. So this is really um, SBC bought their old mom, their old parent, AT&T, rebranded at AT&T. Well, why do I like it? First of all, as always, I'm attracted to the valuation. This is sitting at six times gross cash flow, 12 times free cash flow, and that's during a period of you know, a little bit high capital spending as they really build out a new network. They're also, I think, on the edge of a technology uh, event here, which is simply that they're rolling out something called UVerse, where they're going to bring you uh, access to a cable TV-like product, but through high-speed DSL lines that they uh, control increasingly through their SBC network. And this is looks like it can be competitive with cable uh, and, of course, over the air, etc. And if they can do it, uh, they've got a pipe into your home and suddenly they're a cable company after selling their cable company few years ago at a very high price. This is a much lower cost way to get into the cable business. And I guess, you know, they're going to roll it out big time in 08. It's untested. It's been tested. I mean, it's untested nationally. It's been available on the West Coast and doing well. They're going to start to blow it out nationally. That could be a big opportunity. They also, uh, you know, are, are going to have uh, the, the biggest wireless Internet company uh, in the nation. They not only, you know, control the distribution of the iPhone or have a unique relationship there with Apple, uh, but then, you know, you're likely to sign up as an AT&T customer, so they're wi you have to, I guess, so your wireless uh, customers are growing. And uh, this thing is wireless Internet. It's really the first branded wireless Internet. It's branded Apple, AT&T. They're getting a lot of exposure with the new brand, and it's cheap. Uh, I think their market share of all data through wireless Internet, whether it's data or telephone or whatever we're going to call it in the future, if you're watching a TV show in a train station on your iPhone and AT&T gets to bill you for all that data, uh, that's a pretty good business. Their balance sheet's in decent shape, 30% at the cap. Uh, their ROE is, uh, you know, return on equity is mid-teens. That's pretty good. Uh, and I think that even the value line thinks they're going to grow the top line 10%, earnings 14%. So I might look at this as a 8% cash flow yield. Uh, plus you get 11.5% cash flow growth. That's about a 20% return. And a 4% dividend. You get a little dividend, and then, you a know. A little? Well, 4%. I mean, it's not, in terms of the total return, if you're looking for 20, that's part of the return, 4 on the 20. Uh, but it's a pretty stable business, I think, particularly because of the brand and their growing market share and all data. So I like that one. I'd contrast it with Sprint, 
and I looked at both of them, and I decided to recommend AT&T. Sprint's a little cheaper, four times gross, um, ten times free cash flow, but they're, they got a lot more debt in terms of coverage. One times coverage, AT&T is ten times coverage. One Their returns times. on capital are very low. Um, and I don't think in a battle between two big brands, Sprint and AT&T, Nextel, you know, Sprint, Nextel, Nextel's the old New England telephone, which always ran a second place to all the AT&T companies. I think that's just playing out again here. And even though it's cheaper... Um, you know, I wouldn't be fooled. I'd buy AT&T. And, uh, by the way, Value Line thinks it's a two. So for two weeks in a row, I'm sadly agreeing with them. Um, and I say sadly just you because... You don't mean that. I don't. We love Value Here, I do like them as a data source. But the stock's been up. And I guess they overweight momentum as a, you know, as a, as a factor in their timeliness ranking. And so I don't like buying stocks up. I think I've been recommending this for a couple years. That's all. I'm still recommending it. I wouldn't get out of it now. Uh, next up, Rite Aid, RAD, and I want to contrast that with Walgreen, WAG, page 780 and page 781. These are drugstore chains, obviously. They both have wind at their back with demographics. Uh, Walgreens, as the cheapest it's you know ever been on a PE basis, they've disappointed the street. This was a long-time street darling, and uh, you know they went from a regional brand in the Midwest to basically a national brand, and they always were best of class on returns on capital and all that. No debt, always had the best corner. All their officers were pharmacists, you know, just a great company. Now, they disappointed the street a few months ago. There's tough comparisons to generic. These kinds of companies make great profits on generic. They actually make more per bottle on a generic sale than they do on a branded sale. And there's been a lot of pressure on generics. I actually forget which drug it was particularly, but last year there was a big new generic they didn't repeat this year, and so you have these tough comparisons, and all the analysts are talking about the generic business being in trouble for these drugstore chains. It's just in trouble for four quarters, and then at anniversaries, and you're back to having analysts go, oh, the comp, the same store sales comp on generics was up five or whatever. Remember, you got generics uh, as a preferred choice. you got demographics coming. That assumes that it's a one-time adjustment. Can well, you, you got a assumption? lot of stuff coming off patent over the next five years, including the biggest drug of all time, Lipitor. Okay, so we're talking about something that yeah. could be a steady drip, drip, drip drag on growth. Um, well, generics are going to still be in the ascension, when, and, and right now the market has taken these things down because of bad generic comparisons. Now, Walgreens was always expensive, so oh, yeah. I was never recommending it. Now is really the first time ever that I can look at Walgreens and think it's worth getting into. I think mm-hmm. it may be a value trap in a way... Because part of the value of Walgreens is undoubtedly their great real estate, where I know, having covered it years ago, that they'll pay anything for the best corner, uh, the going home corner. So they get you on the way home from work and, you know, right into the parking, right into their store. Um, and I think with real estate down, you know, that may be affecting the stock price here disproportionately. Now, I, I, I'm going to contrast it. Walgreens, it's an interesting entry point if you're a sort of, you know, drugstore fan. These guys have great demographics, et cetera, great brand. But I want to contrast that with Rite Aid, and here's why. Rite Aid sells $33 a share worth of stuff. Stock's at 4 Walgreens sells $60 a share worth of stuff. Stock at 37 So they're just a little bit over half of sales. 
Rite Aid about 10% of sales. Now, the reason, of course, is Rite Aid doesn't earn nearly the margin that Walgreens earns. They well, and they're digesting a big acquisition. They're digesting. Well, they've grown through acquisition. They're digesting that. There's a lot of talk here about Medicaid reimbursement coming down, and that's all true. But when you look over history, these guys have never earned much money. They're always single-digit returns on capital or losses. And when you look at Walgreens, they're always double-digit, high double-digit returns on capital with no debt. So Walgreens systems are just clearly superior. But what I'm attracted to here in an interesting way is that all these big drugstore chains have now grown to where they can't grow anymore through acquisition. They're all big. And so now you just get the big swallowing or the strong swallowing the weak. And I don't know that there would be Justice Department issues. I mean, there well could be. But some better-run drugstore company than Rite Aid, someone who knows how to organize all those shelves in the right order and get all the walls right. <laughs> that was missing. Uh, computers that work. Who knows? Distribution, drivers that don't get lost, whatever all Clerks those that aren't surly. are. Have you ever yeah. been in a Rite Aid? Well, listen, I have. Of I mean, these people, they know they work in a third-world okay, nation. Okay, they don't. So it's just a matter of good management and good systems. So somebody who's better, this is how Darwinism works, you know, it's evolution. Somebody who knows how to do this better than Rite Aid, who's displayed some history of decent returns on capital and knows how to manage assets, is going to buy Rite Aid. And then they're going to get all those sales. And they're going to figure out what they can earn on those sales. And they're going to have a guy who used to work for Walgreens who's going to go, uh, you need uh, you know, you need a Wellenbacker 3200 over there. That's why this isn't working. And then everyone's going to figure it out, and their margins are going to go up. So now Rite Aid is not really well financed right now. It's 70% debt to cap, and they're not exactly earning their interest. And what I mean by that is their earnings are less than the interest bill. And that might Gee, I wonder what the stock's at four. Yeah, well, it's not without its risks. But on a cash flow basis, they are covering the interest. And whenever they need money, you know, they have about 3,000 stores, and undoubtedly a bunch of them are good. So if they do need money, they'll just sell some freaking stores. So that's what I think the market doesn't see here. And these stores are liquid. You know, there's a marketplace for stores of all kinds that need to be bought by other people who have systems and stores and rebranded. And so they can they can do that. Wow, how compelling. I, well... I'll just tell you, on a sales basis, the sales that Rite Aid is generating are the same sales that Walgreens is generating, but it's the behind-the-scenes management of the assets that's crappy at Rite Aid <laughs> and great at Walgreens. It's uh, called profits, folks. So, yeah, they just don't know how to <laughs> it's manage called it. Capitalism. So I want to take a bet if here. If they knew how to make money, they'd be a well, great company. Well, guys at Walgreens that know how to make money. It's just called signing bonus. Hello. So you call up some smart guys What at would Walgreens. the returns at Rite Aid look like with a normalized My capital friend, structure? My friend, let me just get to all of that. I don't need to get into any of that Ooh, detail. Too sophisticated. Here's what I... Well, listen, we're in a show, and people can dial me up. Val at thevalueguys.com. And I'll let my you know more intellectual colleague get into all the nuances Ooh. here. But Rite Aid is selling at 10% of sales, Walgreens 60% of sales. I think they get halfway toward that gap, and I think Rite Aid's a double over 12 months on some kind of buyout. Just it's cheap as hell, Rite Aid. And then finally, how much time do I have? Regis. All the time you need. Page 811, ticker RGS. Regis, I know I've talked about this before. I see the chart kind of going down over the whole period of the Value Guys show on a relative basis. That's unfortunate. Yeah, it is. So, uh, I've but only, entertaining. It's entertaining. 
as uh, you know, Val sees his uh, child's college fund go to zero. It's like, oh, sorry, honey. Yeah, it was Regis that your college money was in. I'm sorry. It was yeah, a- it was that particular stock. So I'm sorry. We had about it right. That. The street had it wrong. Yeah. Well, anyway, I'm still in Regis. Here's what I think's happened to Regis. They're still cutting hair. People's hair is still growing. Uh, we did have this shorter hairstyle issue. You know, I'm not a student of all that. I think hair gets longer and gets shorter. That'll reverse itself. They did have a lot of attention being focused on their beauty schools, which now they've managed to sell uh, to another firm. They're retaining 49% of it, but at least it's getting off balance sheet and it's getting into a position where they can sell the rest of it down the road. Uh, they're starting to anniversary a couple of bad periods from some acquisitions that they made with lower margin businesses in uh, uh, Vidal Sassoon products. And I think they went through a period where they lost some doors of that brand because suddenly the people that were competitors of Regis that sold that brand were saying, why are we going to buy this from our competitor? So they you know, lost some of that. But uh, they're, I think, getting into a period where the comparisons are going to be easier. They're working down debt. Uh, they do have a share buyback program, and they generate a fair amount of cash. This is five times gross cash flow, ten times free cash flow. Value line doesn't like it. And what I'm attracted to here is just the pure, cheap value of the stock. There's no expectation in it now. It's been down for many years. They did do a couple of overpriced, foolish acquisitions, but we're anniversarying all that. Oh, hindsight's always 2020. No, well, I mean, you just look at the returns. They've crushed their returns. Back in uh, 1998, this thing earned 13% on capital. Very now attractive. it's earning 8 mm. And that's simply due to some stupid acquisitions, that, and I hope that management's I listening. Thought, I, I thought we liked this at one time in terms of what they might be able to do with a Sassoon name. Well, uh, it turns out that they still have some opportunity for that, and they are populating that a little bit. But um, What's been the problem? Uh, well, the problem is, is they don't actually own the Sassoon name. Oh, uh, <laughs> how inconvenient. As, as a product, they own a couple of Sassoon um, you know, salons. And what they were hoping to do was introduce that as a higher price point I salon. See. And meantime, uh, I guess the brand itself got into some pro- problems with pricing and lost some of the cachet. Um, and, you know, we own uh, Sally Beauty, by the way, which we've talked about this in some detail. I think they do distribute Vidal Sassoon now. But it, it kind of hurt the brand, hurt the image of the high end. They bought the high end. So right when they paid up for this high-end hmm. brand in the marketplace with the product that they didn't control exactly, um, you know, it, it kind of got hurt a little bit. So, But that's all behind them is my point. The street lost some faith in them, and they've disappointed. But at this point, they're 10 times free cash flow. I look at that as a 10% cash-on-cash return. A value line thinks the top line is going to grow 6.5%. That's too low. They Stock still has have, a lot of history above $40, well, here's and the it's core, 27 recently. Here's the core thing that they can do, and I'm certain of it, which is that with their stock, they can still go in and make accretive acquisitions in an industry where they still have probably only 30 40% market share and just through buying out the other guys in times earnings well they're buying out private companies whose alternative is to you know lose share slowly and be Mm, bled or they can threaten to go in and hire their best people it's kind of like look sell to us or we will put you out of business and the value of your shop will be zero so i mean they have a pretty compelling you know negotiating approach with some of these uh smaller regional mm-hmm. guys they do have the walmart business which continues well, if to they're, grow if they're so powerful and their brand is so attractive then why do they need so many why do they need to make all these acquisitions well they don't need to my oh. friend 
But if they're accretive, it's, uh, it, it's a return to the shareholder for doing so, and they're basically leveraging their uh, real estate mm-hmm. connections, uh, mm-hmm. their cost of uh, product, uh, and some of the you know equipment and such you need to cut hair. They, and, and basically the, the build-out that they get from some of the landlords, they're very well-known among the landlords. Obviously, they're one of the biggest well, buyers okay, of Well, okay, if you say so. Space. Are you going to turn it over me now? Ah, uh, Regis, RGS. My favorite is RAD. I'm just, I'm tired. You're going to do the favorite holidays. now? No, I'm not going to tell favorites anyone are, what the You're favorite. supposed to say favorites to I'm going to save it. You said it was RAD. It is RAD. I heard you. Well, that's in case it's I fall asleep. I may, I'm oh, getting yeah. very sleepy. Thank you. All right, so with a lot of ado, I guess I'm done now. Thanks for listening in, everybody. But now I want to turn it over to uh, my uh, friend, Vern. Not that I'm competitive at all. Value, what have you. Here, beverage break. Oh, yeah, we have real glass hey, here yeah, today. How about that? All right, good. So, value, guys? Yeah. Part two. Value Go ahead. Vern value, two. you're up. Starting off with, it's one word, Arvin Meritor. Just a stupid name. I don't know what that is. There was is. a company named Arvin, and they merged with Meritor in July 2000. And so they call the company Arvin Meritor, one word, jammed together. Great. Is it attractive? What, what is the point of that? I don't know. The symbol is ARM. Stock never recently in 11 and a quarter, according to Value Line. Um, let's see. Arvin Meritor... Arvin does ride control, emission, and filtration products. Well, I know for sure that there that. are more emission and filtration products on a per dollar basis going into vehicles. Is this a cheap stock? And they merged with Why Meritor, should people listen to this? Which has drive line, they have drive click, line click, click, products. Click, click, click. Are you done? I think people are turning the show off are right now done? because who cares about done? this company? Why do I care? Because Why do I care? Because I care. That. <laughs> Click, 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 switch, switch. Stock recently around 11 and a quarter, 12 and a half times earnings, about a 25% discount to the market, yielding more than 3.5%. The stock's down over 50% from its high earlier this year. All-time highs in the mid-40s, okay? And that goes back uh, almost a decade. That would be pre-merger, I guess. But in a post-merger world, stock has history above 30. Again, recently 11 now, there's about $400 million of cash on the balance sheet. And free cash flow, although it's under a lot of pressure because of uh, problems in the automotive industry, right? Consumers not buying as many cars. That's what when I they mean. are buying more cars, they're buying fewer of them from the, the big three domestic automakers, including Chrysler. That's what I hear. And, excuse me, 50% of this company's business is outside North America. And um, I, a big piece of their business is commercial vehicles, not just light vehicles. Commercial vehicle, 47% of sales. So earnings and cash flow down big time at Arvin Meritor Mm -hmm. because of the cyclical or emissions-related decline in the heavy-duty truck industry. Yeah. A major market for them where we have a very predictable rebound expected by 2009 because of the next series of uh, diesel engine emission standard changes, which take effect in 2010. Everybody knows that truckers to buy cheaper products. Isn't with, that baked uh, in? Better established at eleven dollars? Well I don't know. It's uh, why is the market ignoring that? On on two thousand seven gross cash flow, which value line is speculating has bottomed at two thirty, we're looking at about five times. On the three thirty five they're forecasting for two thousand eight, 
We're under four times. Now, capital spending running better than a dollar and a half a share. So on next year's forecast from value line, a dollar seventy of free cash flow, we're still talking about six times free cash flow at eleven. So the question obviously is well is the is the company in danger of going out of business? Why is it so cheap? Do I have to worry about the dividend being paid? Well, the dividend is forty cents a share. Recession, the recession that's 50 coming. Cents. Their the horrible, 50 horrible cents recession that's coming. That's why um, the earnings expected to triple in 08, according to Value Line. So it doesn't look like we have an earnings coverage problem. Um, in terms of long-term interest coverage, according to Value Line, 2.6 times. I calculate a 325 million dollar uh, operating income number, EBITDA number, that looks pretty reliable compared with a conservative, in other words, high estimate. For uh, for interest on an annual basis is about 150 million, so better than two times coverage on cyclically, I mean cratered results here at earnings at 50 cents, were consistently above a buck and a half, above two dollars in 2002. So we're at uh, we're at unprecedentedly low levels where this valuation works out to five times on an enterprise value basis. Um, Maybe they just lost a big contract. They they have uh, four plants they've closed recently. That's in the most recent quarter. They're consolidating and closing more facilities in coming months. They're taking out 2,800 people. According to uh, the description of the company, they had 27,500 employees, so one out of ten employees getting the axe. They're looking for $75 million in savings in 2008, another $150 million on top of that the following year. Using the tax rate that Value Line gives us, that's two dollars a share in cost savings. Expected to follow to the bottom line again. An eleven dollars stock that does not look like it's in danger of going out of business. Arvin Meritor, ARM. Hmm. Uh, also in auto parts, uh, and believe it or not, actually cheaper yet is Magna International. And we've talked about this name before. Management a bit eclectic here, and so the street has pretty consistently over time. Um, valued magnet as a discount even to other auto parts companies. Weren't these whole all these auto companies, auto part companies required to just they had contracts where each year the prices had to go down every year for years. Right. Yeah. And um, what's happened is Ouch. the uh, uh, the industry's learning that that's one of the reasons that they've been giving up share on a consistent basis to the new domestic or transplant automakers who treats their their suppliers more like partners hmm. and less like adversaries. I see. Uh, Magna, as the industry changes its, shifts its uh, way of doing business and starts treating major suppliers like Magna better, we have the prospects for what has been a, a, a really ugly business environment. As you're pointing out for the last five years plus, um, starting to bottom out, maybe starting to get better in a big picture way. Uh, the stock here actually has performed, compared to the auto, auto parts universe, I think pretty well and has been going sideways for the last two-plus years. There's some speculation about maybe uh, breaking up piece of it, I think. I, I don't recall exactly. You'd want to check that. But recently, $78.50, around 10 times earnings, a 40% discount to the market, a 1.8% dividend yield, nothing to sneeze at. The stock, uh, under again, under 80 traded at 100 earlier in the year. And there's about $15 a share in excess cash. I mean, net of all outstanding debt. Uh, equity market cap nine point three billion. I've got less than eight hundred million of debt. I have two point six billion of cash on the balance hmm. sheet. So I have an enterprise value of seven and a half billion. And I, if I just use an operating margin of seven and a half percent times twenty five billion in revenue, which would be a decline from what 
Value line is forecasting. I'm just a little north of a four times valuation mm-hmm. with EBITDA. Now, the company has um, sold 20 million shares to something called Russian Machines, which has gained the, uh, the opportunity to put six directors on a new 14-member board at Magna at a valuation that appears to be close to where we are right now. So the company has sold 20, uh, 20 I'm sorry, um, about 15% of the company um, at what it looks like a very cheap valuation. They're buying back stock in an effort to offset the dilution within a couple-year period of time. And basically they're making a huge bet that by virtue of being allied with somebody that has a huge investment in the company and, um, and um, uh, um, you know, our presence in Russia – and by virtue of that, you know, former Eastern Europe, that as uh, wealth there grows rapidly on the back of natural resources and the oil economy, um, and as consumers start to buy more and more cars, that Magna would be very well positioned to uh, participate in that. So what they're trying to do here, I think, is create an opportunity for sales growth, which has started to stagnate a bit, to reaccelerate and maybe run pretty hard for the next several years. Well, I do Um, notice... That unlike a lot of their competitors, they yeah. haven't lost money. No, so they look uh, like they know how to keep the lights on. They, over the that. earnings per share and cash flow per share numbers show remarkable stability. And even with you know in an industry where, for example, Arvin Meritor is seeing their gross cash flow per share down almost fifty percent in two thousand seven, Magna's actually got about a ten plus percent increase in cash. And they sell what seat. Uh, well, they, it's components. a complete range of exterior and interior systems, if systems, you will. They have systems. the ability to give you, I, I think, the uh, not just the seats, but really the entire interior of a car, should you want to outsource it to them to that level. And in fact, may even have, on a subcontract basis, assembled finished vehicles for a couple automakers. I have a dim memory of Magna operating a plant in Austria or someplace to, to do just that. So. Very, Good very, for them. very cheap. Good job, um, Magma. Arguably Magma. Uh, very well managed. Um, very steady return on capital in like a 9 to 11 range, currently around 9. Maybe that has something to do with why the stock's cheap. Take a look at MGA, Magna International. Last one I know a little less about. We do, ooh, time running short here. Eris Group, symbol ARRS. This also value, value line rates of 4, just like they do Arvin Meritor. Um this is a, uh, I, I'm sure, a cyclical telecom equipment manufacturer. According to Value Line, high speed data and telephony, telephony, well, I don't know how you pronounce that, systems for delivery of voice, video, and data. That would be broadband, telephony. 41%, 41%, supplies and consumer premises equipment, 60%. So broadband, 40%, consumer, 60%, international sales, 25% of the total. The consumer piece growing very rapidly, 29% in the most recent period. The broadband piece down 17% year-to-year in the more recent period. What are their returns over So there? the 40% piece shrinking, the 50, the 60% piece getting bigger. Return on capital is in double digits right now. Mm-hmm. International up 12%, so they're getting some growth there. They had a terrible time in 01, 02, 03. Uh, negative, negative cash flow, not just negative earnings, okay? So I, there's some risk involved here. Pro- presumably has something to do with technology, but... Um, they're doing a stock deal, apparently. They don't, this value line doesn't really say, but it says it has to be approved by shareholders of both companies. That's not usually required of the acquirer unless stock is involved. So they're doing a stock deal, which is going to expand the sales base. And from what I can tell, um, give them, uh, well, value line talks about 
expanding margins of profitability over the next several years. So um, hmm. it may be market reaction with the stock under 10, down from almost 18 earlier this year, perhaps reflecting the increased risk from the acquisition. What is it that they do? Um, I've got a, a balance I know, sheet. I don't know them. Oh, I don't know. It's tele- a te- a telecom equipment. But Newberger Berman owns 6% and Wellington owns 7 and Barclays 5.5 and, and Vanguard 5 so uh, some smart people know something about their position. It, it, there's a uh, almost 600 million of cash, less than 300 million of debt. So there there there's actually three dollars of excess cash on the balance sheet with a ten dollar stock. So more like seven dollars stock with cash flow running around a dollar a share. Hmm. Looks very cheap to me. Enterprise value six times on EBITDA. So ARRS. I don't know a lot about the technology involved here, but. Uh, Showing uh, showing cyclical growth patterns um, with numbers performing well now, but the stock has been crushed. Uh, you probably want to check that out. I'm going to say my favorite idea is going to be Magna, Magna. well managed and trading at an extremely cheap valuation. MGA, check it out. And yours? Uh, I'm going to say Rite Aid, RAD, with the thought that Ooh, very uh, risky. Uh, listen, demographics trumps yeah, our money, bad so. margins. That's oh, my okay, prediction right. today. We'll see you all next week, folks. Take care.